0: Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, episode number 90. With Luke Dupron, a men's health and performance coach and graduate of exercise science kinesiology, Luke has done everything from personal training with hundreds of clients to working alongside doctors of chiropractic as a corrective exercise specialist, training Olympic level athletes to performance work with world champion and mixed martial arts fighters. Currently, Luke works as a men's online health and performance coach where he helps men step into a lifestyle approach of exercise and nutrition to transform their physique, energy, and confidence. He's also the host of the Live Great Lifestyle podcast where he's interviewed former Navy SEALs, mixed martial arts world champions new york times best-selling authors personal development speakers olympic athletes adventure athletes doctors nutrition experts and inspirational leaders carving unique paths in the world to inspire and empower us to level up our health fitness mindset and lifestyle exactly the type of person i look for as a speaker on this podcast I love that Luke is a believer that stepping out of your comfort zone leads to growth. And he's always aiming high routinely practicing jujitsu as a participant on the history channel show, the selection, which was a mock special forces selection process led by Navy SEALs. He was a contributing writer for Huffington post. He hosted the La Jolla international film festival. He's performed as an actor in local San Diego films, and even worked as a runway model once.
1: <laughs> Welcome,
0: <laughs> Luke. What a diverse background!
1: Oh, uh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to come on there. There's a funny story on the uh, on the on the last piece there. So, but yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, chat with you. So, thanks for inviting me.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'm so grateful for our connection on LinkedIn. We were talking just beforehand, and. And it was you who um, unselfishly came on and, and sent me a message and said, hey, you've got to look at Dr. Eric Juan after you interviewed them. You're looking out for other people. It just shows me the type of person you are. I'm very grateful for that. You know, we don't have anyone to interview without connections like you've made for me. So I really do appreciate that you took the time for that. Um, and I did just interview Dr. Juan yesterday. So you'll Your show will be coming out a couple days after I release his.
1: Ah, very good. And you're, and you're very welcome. I'm sure that was a a great, uh, a great fit. So I was glad to make that introduction for you.
0: That was wonderful. Well, Luke, I know that you're the host of the live great lifestyle podcast and I listened to it. Your interview, especially with Dr. Juan was phenomenal. And you've got a mission to inspire and empower men to live their life to its greatest potential. Can you just give an overview of your past? Like, how did you go from all these different experiences that you've had to wanting to branch out to help men specifically with lifestyle?
1: Sure. Um, You know, I I originally went to school for kinesiology and had done personal training and um, always had a passion for impact and and personally fitness. So this was kind of an intersection of um, personal values and, and personal interests, truthfully. Um, and then, as I kind of stumbled through different ways of trying to to make that fit, is how I've arrived to where I am at, to where it's more online kind of lifestyle type coaching, um, really helping guys build habits. Because um, at the end of the day, it's these daily and weekly, you know, kind of minimal uh, standards that we hold that are really gonna impact, you know, how we feel, how we look. Um, and and the real passion comes from uh, most people, I would say, will start uh, a a fitness journey or even a nutrition journey generally with a physique goal in mind, but it's how you feel at the end of it. And that's pretty inspiring when you see guys who, you know, maybe have, um, not great health. Um, and when they do step in and and kind of write the ship and the energy and the confidence that comes with it, it's a a pretty fun path to be part of.
0: Definitely. Well, I've got to ask what's the fun story with the runway model. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't, Gloss over that and go into uh, yeah. neuroscience without
1: asking. Sure. Well, again, I am a believer of like if something kind of scares you, you should probably do it. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's tremendous growth in 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 the discomfort, right? Um, if so, if if you're sensing something is we don't really want to do, we should lean into it. And uh, so I am in California here in San Diego, and I have a local, um, acting and, and modeling agent, and and I say, uh, modeling agent in that anybody can do print modeling, print modeling. would be like when you watch a TV commercial or a magazine, you don't even notice the people. Right. So, um, my agent reached out to me and said, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I need a favor. And I go, okay, what? And she's like, uh, can you do this runway model for me, this runway show? And I'm like, uh, I'm a print model. Like I'll just stand there with a, the, the product or whatever. And, uh, I was like, I do not want to do this. This sounds horrible, right? Like it sounds embarrassing. I'm going to be nervous. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a fashion model. I'm, you know, I'm, those guys are like six, to four and gorgeous. And I'm like, all right, I don't want to do it. I better say, yeah. And uh, of course, you know, at the end of the day, it's just walking down, but it, it, it was quite hilarious. And that when we got there, I'm like, Hey Luke, you can do this. You literally have educated people on how to biomechanically walk correctly. So you're just going to walk down and like do a pose. And of course, when we get there, it's like, we had to do like six different poses. I have one hand in the pocket, right? Like, so it was a really embarrassing, fun thing that in retrospect afterwards, I'm like, man, I want to do that again, because I wish I would have had more fun with it. I wish I would have loosened up and like been more playful and like just went for it. And I think again, this is the value of like, Hey, I'm uncomfortable. This sounds, this sounds scary to do. Well, you go do it. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, I, I can do that. Like, that's not that's not too bad. And I survived. And so it was just a, a fun, um, <laughs> not supposed to be their experience. <laughs>
0: well, I love that because I have values written on the wall that I look at all the time. And challenge is one of my values. And it, it, just like you, if something seems over my head, I'm like, this has to be something I've got to do. Because yeah. how else are we going to grow if we don't do things that challenge us?
1: Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, th- to me, this is like a foundational piece in my coaching is if you are showing up and you do have a fixed mindset, you, we have to to step in and just lead, move forward with a growth mindset. The idea that like we, we can do things and we can grow, we can improve through effort and we can overcome challenges and obstacles and little, you know, doesn't matter. It can be physical. Physical is a great tool to do that. Um, and for a lot of people, a physical challenge is a, a phenomenal, uh, Way to step into something that's uncomfortable. I've had men that like you know are terrified to walk into a gym, um, and they have to overcome that. But for somebody else, it could be like you know doing a public speaking thing, and or for me having to walk down in front of all these people, <laughs> you know. Do a so, pose. Right?
0: Yeah, do a pose. <laughs> I love it. That's that. Well, that totally makes sense now. And. Moving into your interview now with Dr. Wan and the Wave Neuroscience team, I learned so much from your interview. I actually stopped quite a few times and took notes because it was quite different from what I was used to with a spec scan, how you're measuring with an EEG. and Definitely, Dr. Wan's interview is going to come out before yours, but... um, how did you start to understand the importance of neuroscience and interviewing Dr. Juan from going from, you know, health and lifestyle? Where did the neuroscience come in?
1: Yeah. I mean, clearly I'm in the, I'm in the deep end on this and out of my area of expertise. And it's the beautiful thing of getting to have a podcast, of course, is to, to rub shoulders with, with um, people who are smarter and doing amazing things. So uh yeah, I had the opportunity to actually go in and do a brain scan. Um, so I have a personal friend who is one of the technicians, and so we spoke at length of what was going on there. Um, sounded fascinating. Again, the the mission with the Live Great Lifestyle podcast is to really truly bring on any tangible tactical stuff that will move you know individuals and men forward in their areas of health and fitness. Um, and this, so this seemed like a no brainer. So it was an opportunity for me to kind of dive into some some areas that I you know don't have an expertise or much of a knowledge of. And it's pretty fascinating when I look at, you know, what they're on the edge of. Um, and for people who haven't heard your interview, it's really the idea of kind of optimizing how your brain works. And you know, we think about optimizing our brain. I deal with optimizing nutrition, optimizing workouts, um, attempt to optimize our psychology and how we think. Uh, but to to kind of be able to, <laughs> this is the wrong term to use, but crack open the brain and and kind of optimize the hardware in a way was was really interesting and so it was pretty enlightening to go in and you know the the way this process works was to go sit in a room a dark room and uh pretty quickly uh the technician sean we ended up blindfolding me to to help me um he could he could tell i wasn't um able to focus and so putting me blindfolded kind of helped even though the room was dark and at the end of it it kind of validated things of how i think about how my brain works. And I experience a lot of um, beta, excessive beta wave when I should be in alpha, which if I were to self-describe, it's, man, my brain feels chaotic at times. I struggle to focus. I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, structure's not easy. I don't turn my brain off very easily. Like when I lay down at night, it's like I'm thinking of movies and like th- th- it's an experience that's happening. And so it was a really interesting way to get tangible uh, information of what I think I was experiencing when I would like self-reflect on how my brain works versus looking at other people where, you know, you'll meet somebody who's really type A and, and really specific and clearly they're kind of operating a little differently.
0: That's eye-opening. So when in your interview, you actually talked about the difference of maybe an elite athlete and how their brains might be processing faster. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fascinating because, you know, I always think, well, the elite athletes, they practice the same things over and over again. And Dr. Juan brought up an example yesterday with the fact that a pitcher you know he might throw a ball at a certain speed and you know i'd run out of the way
1: but <laughs> their
0: brains can can deal with that high level of processing but it was interesting like what did you learn about that from an elite athlete point of view especially with your training on
1: that yeah you know the baseball thing was really interesting so um, growing up i played baseball at no high level you know high school baseball so I can at least appreciate standing in a in a batter's box and having somebody you know wing a a ball at you and um baseball was a really great example because I think when we look at elite athlete um of course we focus on the physical the the body and like you have to have that piece, right? When you watch the NFL, it's like if you or the bas, if you're watching basketball, if you want to be a center and you're not above six five and two hundred forty pounds or whatever the number is, it's not going to happen. Right. So we can look at other sports like baseball or even um, I'm a big mixed martial arts fan. And when we hear Dr. Juan talking about you know the processing speed, of course, I think my brain or m- jump to oh, of course, I'd rather be faster, and my was just kind of in the middle. Um, but as he pointed out, it's like, hey, faster's not better. Synced is better. Now, where faster could have advantages versus slow could also have advantages, he said, or slower um, within the spectrum of norm, and uh, something like baseball, where I think it'd be fascinating to take a look at the highest level of athletes, like professional baseball players, and let's look at the guys who are at the very pinnacle as hitters, and I would be very interested to see if there is a correlation between a certain point where um, there, there is a speed of the, the brain where two flashes of light are picked up versus one for someone else. Right. And that might seem inconsequential, like these are just microsecond flashes, but for that batter who now makes a living being able to recognize the way the seams on a ball are rotating and identify that that is going to be a slider versus a forcing fastball. And for another athlete who maybe has all of the physical skills, the the physical body, but they're not actually registering that, and and that could be the difference. That could be the difference possibly for, you know, again, a a fighter to be able to recognize when a punch is being initiated, and so they initiate their slip and they don't get hit. Um, Again, this is all speculative on my part, but really interesting at that high level to think there's, um, you know, the focus of, of course, nutrition, exercise, training, the body, but it's like, man, we have another area to, to potentially optimize.
0: Absolutely. A couple of interviews ago, I actually called up one of my old friends that lives here. It was, it's been a long time that he's been in baseball, but he was with the Oakland A's organization. And he talked about the fact that back when he was training, there was no focus on sleep or nutrition. It was like, wing <laughs> you know, that they were chosen. There's, you know, they're thrown into their training. And then they were traveling and in their hotels and not eating or sleeping. And now it's a totally different ball game, you know, for all these athletes out there that it's a whole different level with nutrition and health. So I just thought you bringing that in, it's just amazing.
1: I think LeBron James. Now again, we're talking one of the greatest of the greats in his, you know, field and sport. I think something to the effect of he spends a million dollars a year on his, let's put it wellness performance area. Um, but we're talking again the elite level of of uh, <laughs> of a sport um, at, the, at the at the highest you know peak. And so yeah, there's now an extreme level of um, optimization on, I think all fronts and you kind of have to, and you see it now in the NFL where when a guy comes in, like take uh, the kid from Cleveland, the quarterback a couple years ago, um, I'm blanking on his name, but you know, had some physical talents, but he came in and mentally was not ready to, you know, give up college party lifestyle and fully invest as what it takes to be a professional uh, athlete. And, and, You know, he faded out and he's, he's gone.
0: (laughs) Right. And it's just amazing as we're getting older too, like we hear all the time, you know, that certain things damage the brain and now I can see it. I'm approaching 50 next year and certain things you just can't do anymore. Like you could when you were 20. It's, you know, you got to start listening to your body and your body tells you what feels good and what doesn't. Right.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And, um, i no, I noticed it in the physical sense. Um, I'm some, as somebody, I'm personally very kinesthetic, so I'm, I'm very body aware. Um, and so things like the fascial system is getting drier as we age. So mobility, so things like jujitsu, it's very different, um, to wake up and be able to just, um, be hyper mobile and pliable. It's, it's not the same. So there's more of maybe a warm up that has to take place, but, um, we do have more tools at our disposal today to, I think, live an incredibly um, well optimized, well balanced, productive, healthy, vibrant life. Like we can be, um, and which, by the way, you look absolutely phenomenal at 50. So well done. Um, but I, I think we get to be 70 and 80 year olds that are still, you know, hiking and um, you know things like um, regenerative medicine. That's that's coming um, or that's out right now, and then some of the um, reverse aging science that's co- coming down the pipeline. It's like, who knows? I mean, I think we're going to be like really productive, healthy, you know, 70, 80 year olds. And and I would challenge you by listen to this, if you're in the 30 to 40 or 50 camp, and you're not feeling that way now, it's like, we'll start to write the ship because the longevity I think is going to be there. And you want to be in a, I think a healthy, um, you know, state to enjoy the quality of life that you could have.
0: Absolutely. Like there's certain things that happen in your life that make you think like, you know, what point am I going to start taking health seriously? And it can happen whether you get sick and you're thrown into the fact that, you know, suddenly you have to start eating a certain way. Or I don't know what it would be for some people. I've always had health as my number one priority. I just can't function. I can't sit and work if I haven't exercised. I just couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, I, I I heard you talking on a, one of your shows. I'm um, talking about getting out and hiking. And yeah, um, you know, I tend to coach a lot of entrepreneurs, and it's amazing because you know a lot of these guys are absolutely crushing it in the business side of things, and and even in some some life stuff. And I think, man, what level would you be at if you were clicking on all cylinders? Um, and you know, if you do have, you know, an excessive, say, 40 or 50 pounds on your body, it's like that's a physical stressor on the joints at that point to where, you know, this is the vessel that takes us through this experience called life mm-hmm. and you don't need to go be a professional fitness model or bodybuilder um, to, to get the value of taking care of that system. Um, but if you do some, you know, just few reasonable things, man, you have more energy, you have more confidence, you feel better. And it's, uh, I always say there's a reason every time you, you meet somebody who's like, or you have a friend who's caught the fitness bug <laughs> and they post on social media constantly. They're like talking about their workout. They're posting pictures of their food and you're like, all right, we get it. You, 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 like exercise. And the reality is it's because of the impact that it's had and how they feel right. And the, 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 the ability of just again, feeling really, I think vibrant, confident um having just that energy like that really does move people forward and someone like yourself when you have those pillars kind of align and you get out of tune with them you feel like crap
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. but not everybody is uh, is wired that way so like i look at some of my friends or you know people close to me health and fitness is the last thing because they're so busy with their schedule. So do you see like business executives who, you know, they're just like, Oh, exercise. I wish I had an hour to go hike every day or go to the gym, you know? So what what do you say to those people?
1: So this is where we need to, there's, there's two areas of two gaps. We have to fill there's internal resources and external resources. And for those individuals, there's either one or the other or maybe a combination of both. And, and so an example of like an internal resource to me would be to that same person um, who is so busy, if they were presented with a real like life and death health challenge in the moment, an acute version, like they're going to all of a sudden find the time. So now we're talking more like core motivators, again, values could be, um, and you'll see those people turn that around pretty quickly and so what we need to do is just, we have to kind of manufacture that need. Um, and that to me, this is just anchoring a big why and like developing a purpose. And, you know, working with men, I kind of leverage that side of certain sides of the personality and like one I absolutely love. It's like, you know, if some, if it's a guy who has a young daughter and he knows he needs to improve, but he's not getting into action. Um, it's very simple question of who's going to walk your daughter down the aisle. You are another man. And like that will move somebody, right? Like, or, uh, you know, so, so, so manufacturing almost a, um, I don't want to say a false belief, but if you can truly buy in that there is going to be a a tangible outcome, both positive and negative, you can then decide, all right, I'm gonna have to figure this out. That's the internal. Now we can start to go to the external side and think, well, I don't really have time. Okay, cool. Well, you don't have time to go to the gym. What can we do at home? Because personally myself, I haven't gone to a gym in four years. Like, wow. I don't go to a gym. I work out of my house because that's just what I like to do. So I'm a home gym guy myself. Um, so there's always going to be tactics that we can install that simplify the process. Um, yes, there is a level of time that is going to be needed. And if we were going to specifically talk what that exercise time is, I would actually put it at about anywhere from three to four 45 minute workouts each week can do the workout side. The rest of it, we should actually try to implement more into like lifestyle strategies. And again, this needs to get tactical based on your circumstances. I've worked with people where they go to work. Every day they walk in, they go up four flights of stairs, they turn around, they go right back down, then they go back up. It's like they have to force the movement because movement is one of these pillars that we have to have. And that's a challenging one. For others, it's a treadmill desk.
0: Mm. If you
1: know you're going to be stuck at your desk for 16 hours, which most of us aren't, it's like, You might have to have a treadmill desk. And so there is resources within your unique circumstances to pull this off. I think the challenge is, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of going on a little bit of a rant here. Um, I think the challenge is many people's belief of what it actually takes to step into a lifestyle practice of health and fitness. And there is a difference between health, a health practice versus say a sport practice you're not going to go be LeBron James. You don't need to be, (laughs) you don't need to train like LeBron James to experience these incredible benefits of kind of taking care of the system. So um, there's definitely a way, no matter how busy we are to integrate habits um, and also outsourcing, right? Like I don't have time to cook. Cool. Don't. There's companies in every city where you can get, you know, healthy meals that within your caloric loads to, you know, get you to where you want to be.
0: Well, that's, it's a lot to think about for people that are busy, they just might, you know, dismiss it and say, Well, I just don't have the time I hear that all the time, you know, I wish I had the time, I just don't. And then on the other side of it, when I started tracking, uh, measuring workouts, because my trainer actually said to me, you know, how many calories are you burning with your hikes? And he asked me, I guess last December, and I didn't know, I was just guessing, I'm like, I think around 500. And he's like, well, you need to know, I need to write this down. And then I started wearing one of the watches to track. And then I started to realize that my hikes were not too different from the elliptical. And the elliptical was not too different from a half an hour walk, which blew my mind. Because I'm like, wow, These things, I would think that the walk, like, oh, forget it. I'm not going to go for just a walk, but the Mm -hmm. walk actually was powerful. I burned a lot of calories that I wasn't aware of.
1: Yeah. And this is where, so, you know, I think of different camps. I think of, I would put hiking, the elliptical, and walking, I put that into the movement camp. And unfortunately, movement, and so to me, movement is a, A a prerequisite it's a it's our body's innate expectation you know what's incongruent with our body's expectation would be sitting fixed at a desk for eight hours Mm. so we have this natural desire and need for lots of low-level activity and yes this will create a level of caloric burn Um, people are genuinely trying to I think solve say physique um, and weight loss um, goals through just that side of it and that will be an uphill battle because you will get efficient at those activities Mm. there's a reason thousands and thousands of people cross a finish line of a marathon every day or every year. Mm -hmm. And yet many people still have excessive weight when they do that. And it's because we just get efficient at doing these activities. Our body doesn't have to expend as many calories to do them um, once we kind of get better at them. Um, So yeah, to your point, like, Hey, if you don't have time to go out on like the, the trail hike, which might seem like this big to do and big task. Well, you could also take that work call, and particularly now, as a lot of people are working from home, have a little bit more freedom to maybe to, to integrate some of these. Could you also take that call and actually just go walk around the block? Um, or, you know, like, hey, I got to check emails and like on my phone or the, again, I live in you know, a small apartment in San Diego. It's like, I bet I've put in miles in my little 700 square foot apartment wow. because I'm a pacer. I'm going to get up. If I'm on the phone, it's like, well, I can actually. And if I'm talking with a client, I'm probably coming off with a bit more energy if I'm up you know? And so it's like, I'm going to walk around in my apartment, go out on my deck. Like, wow. so there's ways to get creative, um, but also do it in a fashion that doesn't feel like exercise. And, and here's, so here's an example, um, of little, little habits and, and ways to nudge the system. I see so many people that would go to the, the park in the morning and they take their dog and they have the little tennis ball and they have a the little stick wand that you allows you to throw the ball farther than since we're not all those uh (laughs) those baseball players we are talking about earlier and it whips the ball really far and then i just you know watch everybody stand there while the dog you know runs and it comes back and it's like there's a prime opportunity that like just trot jog if you wanted to sprint you could but like or just walk like walk to a different part of the park and that 20 or 30 minutes where you have to like go do the dog it's like that could be 30 minutes of actual constant motion and movement for you. You could do a mobility routine while you're there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's ways to fit things in. You know, if you have kids, it's like, man, take your kid to a trampoline park. You will be exhausted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so yeah. the, the movement piece to me, I'm always trying to encourage um, clients to try to integrate that in a way that doesn't feel like a task that doesn't feel like exercise could possibly feel like play and fun. So here that, you know, that could be like, if you want to get into surfing versus video gaming, that would probably be a, a good, you know, a hobby. And then there's of course the resistance training, the, the, what I'm going to put in the more actual workout camp. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely ways. Um, I'll put it this way. If you're a busy person, I promise you there's somebody busier who's pulling it off. And right. for me, when I, when I recognize another person has done this, I think, that's proof positive again, for me to change my mindset and think, Oh, I too can do this.
0: Yeah. And then, so we've talked about the movement category. What, where does the resistance weight training fit in? Because, you know, sometimes it can be fun to do the movement and then the weights is like, Oh, now I got to go do like burpees. I don't know. Does anyone love burpees?
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny. I'd put, and and this is where I think a lot of people kind of are I wouldn't say going wrong, but they're going to be a little inefficient. So to me, I'm actually going to put burpees more into like the movement side. Okay. Um, it It's more just of a calorie burn where if we really want to be time, if we want to optimize for time, I'm going to leverage more strict resistance training exercises that, that are going to um, only be done for say like eight to 12 repetitions. So this is using things like dumbbells, barbells, whereas burpees, you could, you know, theoretically do you know 300 burpees if you had to (laughs) right where you you it'd be tough and your body will break down and you'll go into poor form but you can kind of continue to go where when we do something like say a split squat um with weight we can choose a load that actually requires enough demand on the musculature that we can only do like eight reps and what we're trying to do there is really you know specifically target um the, 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 mus- muscular cellular system and like turn that tissue up and activate that, you know, the heck out of it. And all of a sudden now workouts can get real specific. So are a real, um, 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 efficient. So I would say the average client that I, you know, work with probably does anywhere from like nine to 12 exercises. Like that's it. Like you just got to build mastery in a few really good, powerful lifts. And then you're going to go use progressive overload and get stronger over time. And that is kind of the shortest path to where three workouts a week could be really impactful. Um, and it, it, it again, with the focus more of building strength. A lot of people try to combine these two things and they're going to go do like a boot camp class and where they're doing a lot of jumping around, a lot of burpees. And like yeah, you will live, leave hot, sweaty, and tired. Um, like a P90X would be a type of program like this. Um, and it definitely can get you results. It's just I don't think it's the most efficient way to do it.
0: When you want to do something that's going to be long term that we can keep doing, especially with a lot of people like we have quit our gym as well. So you you don't have a gym that you go to. You're working from home and working out at home. And a lot of people might end up going this route moving forward. So trying to find something that we can fit in and enjoy.
1: Totally. And, you know, and, and here's the thing. You've experienced this because you, you, you're already there. Um, <laughs> it happens every time, though is once you get into it, like you like it because you get a, there's a really amazing feedback loop of feeling good. And so it becomes self-fulfilling and all of a sudden you explore a little further and you decide, you know what, instead of walking, I am going to hike. I'm going to hit that mountain. And now we start stretching again. The And this is the stuff that excites me. We start pushing what we think we can do and and what life can be. And uh, all of a sudden, Oh, now you got time because you are like planning a, you know, a backpacking trip <laughs> before you didn't have time to go for a walk, but you've caught the bug. You're feeling good. And, and now it's about expanding. I think that potential, Uh, great example. I got a guy right now who he just did a 350 mile bike ride, um, in three days and the most he'd ever ridden, he had only done one century. And it's just a really cool, like self push for him, um, way to explore his countryside. And you know, that kind of, th- those kind of doors are going to get opened. Um, you know, I've got other guys who have like done like Uh, you know, summited um, two peaks in one day out in Colorado. Right. And like just cool life stuff. Right.
0: (laughs) No, I love it. This, this kind of stuff, because you, when you feel good, everything uh, goes into your work, you're more confident. And I just wonder, like, as you were moving along with this, you talked a little bit about where the neuroscience came in, but who inspired you to go this route? Did you have someone that you were following that you learned from?
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna butcher his name, um, or I, I mess it up a little bit, but um, Dr. Uh, either Huberman or Huberman from um, Stanford Lab, which if anybody wants um, real, and he was I was hoping to get him on the show, and uh, he was he was planning on it, and then he went on Joe Rogan, <laughs> and Joe Rogan's a little bigger than mine, so uh, he's well, been
0: don't give up on him. <laughs>
1: no, I won't. I won't. Getting, no,
0: like three times. Yeah,
1: he's gonna be a, he'll be getting a follow up email, but I would inspire everybody to follow him on um, Instagram because. What I love about him is he's an academic. I mean, he runs um, Stanford's neuroscience lab, but he's providing information that the lay like myself can actually take and integrate. And something that's really exciting because it's like, man, we have all these amazing resources in in colleges and schools, but you know, to access them, obviously you would need to be a student. And then even if you did have access, is it as tack, is it, can you use it? Can you use that information? Right. I've had other people on LinkedIn that I've built conversations with where I was like, wow, this is really amazing stuff. You're doing this type of this study that I'm reading. And I go, how could this apply to, you know, people? And he's like, yeah, it really wouldn't. And I'm like, Oh, okay. What's the point of this where uh, Dr. Huberman or Huberman um, lots of really good um, neuroscience based um, topics. I mean, something as simple as, you know, going outside in the morning, which is something I've implemented to sun gaze for two to five minutes to help, um, kind of set and kick off the melatonin production later in the evening and little simple things that at the end of the day, we're just kind of getting back to being a a more normal human animal that we used to be, um, that set the stage for, I think our productivity, our our health, our wellness, and and just kind of improving our lives. So he's somebody that kind of, um, I would say to answer your question, he is the person that has really kicked off the interest for me.
0: I love it. I love it. Because we're all learning. Um, and somebody inspires us to go this route. And initially, when I first got inspired to go this route, I thought, Oh, my goodness, how am I going to do this? And I remember the person that told me he threw all these books off of his shelf. And he said, you know, here's all the people I want you to study. And, you know, and understand this. And I opened the books. And now I've interviewed a lot of these people. Got <laughs> it. But at the time I was like, what is this? I never once learned about the brain, you know, we, we, no one's ever said, what are you doing for your, for your brain health as we were growing up. Mm So if people have to figure out how we're going to implement this and now, especially with the whole fitness and health going into brain prevention, like for Alzheimer's disease, everything that you're talking about and doing, you know, going out and looking at the sun, Dr. Wan talked about that as a a strategy. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning the importance of um, Alzheimer's prevention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just, it it all goes hand in hand now, but somebody's got to figure out a way to explain it. And that's why I loved how you explained it on your podcast. You really did a great job because you. you will, you know, Understanding how the brain cycles and hurts is something that you know we're just not talking about. I know blood flow, high blood flow, low blood flow, but what's this? How the brain cycles and hurts now that that you explained really well.
1: Yeah, and to think that there's going to be like tech down the line where it's like you know right now their their treatment you know it's it's expensive. It's not going to be accessible to everyone or you know many at this point i don't think um but down the line we're like you know it might become a wearable hat type thing where you're just going out and your brain's doing this on the fly and um yeah it's an interesting world um i think of trying to uh how we've kind of troubleshot it on our own and now the si- on all things right and now science comes in and then technology um but you know i've always been somebody who i've always used my body to manage my mood mm-hmm. and realizing like oh there's other obviously like activities and tactics to do like meditating, journaling breath work, which I guess is still technically using your body. But, you know, for me, it was always like, I need to go physically push. Like if I'm dealing with anxiety or depression, like those types of things. And it's like, well, that's not always an optimal strategy that you need to go like physically kind of blow your body out to, to shift your state, to be able to have, um, a a journaling technique or, you know, gratitude to gratitude journal or to, um, realize you can like go up here and and just kind of go right into it and, and have some shifts is I think pretty powerful.
0: Definitely, I think you. I feel like you talked about box breathing too. That was you. you yeah, talked about strategy and and that goes way back to I interviewed these guys that are doing virtual reality in the schools mm-hmm. and they teach kids box breathing on virtual reality. And so then I saw you were talking about it too, and it's it is powerful even for young kids experiencing totally. anxiety to learn how to breathe out for four and
1: it's uh, yeah, I have a breath guy coming on next week. Um, so I've had a couple other breath. I've, uh, I had, um, James Nestor who wrote, um, either breath or breathe. I can never remember which word is which, but, uh, really great book, um, on like the history of breath work. It's fascinating. Um, it's a New York times, uh, best selling book and it's, uh, I recommend it to anybody. And I've had other breath work practitioners on where we've done more, um, that I've gotten to experience more dynamic breath work. Um, holotropic breath work where like people are hallucinating and it's, it's quite intense. Um, But to have a tool like box breathing, because I'll say this, I I can't tell you how many people who I've worked with in their health, fitness, um, weight loss journey. And the people who struggle are the ones that show up where the stress is overwhelming and it's not to downplay what they're feeling um, because oftentimes the environment has dictated a stress response. Something real has, is happening in their life for them to justifiably be stressed. And like, I'm sure we've all experienced this, but we have to have a tool then if the stimulus isn't necessarily going to leave, right? If like the, if your boss is a jerk and your work life is so stressful right now, well, that stimulus is probably not going anywhere if you're not going to quit your job. So we need to have some tactic to pull ourselves, you know, from that sympathetic into the parasympathetic and get us out of that fight or flight and i've watched a lot of people um that people that don't have success in in their health wellness fitness weight loss goals right that come in and are looking for support but are going to struggle are the ones that can't get out of that because if you're in that stressed response something as simple as like making a healthier choice seems uh, like a mountain and it's like man like what are we doing here like i use always use the example here in where i live about a mile away there's a Whole Foods, which has a hot bar with like reasonably priced food, right? Like pre-made. And then there's like Jack in the Box right across the street. And it's like, I get it. You're busy. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to eat healthy. And it's like, it took no more energy to really go through the drive-through than it did to walk in and get a meal that would support you versus a, a meal that's hypercaloric and has inflammatory oils that probably is going to take you, you know, to a place of ill health. And Yet people will struggle to make that decision, and it's those people who are in that chronic stressed out, like, just. That's that's a big. I feel like that's a big piece of it. And so something as simple as yeah, box breathing that you can manage your stress response and get better at it over time to pull yourself down, and and then you can use it in the acute when you're you know about to go to a runway show and you're thinking, oh my god, I'm so nervous, I'm going to look like an idiot.
0: I love that. Such a good story. Well, Luke, like just to kind of bring this all into a close here, what's your vision for what you're doing with your fitness training? Where do you see what your work is is going to go in the next few years?
1: Um, my goal is to, you know, I, I would like to eventually have more of a group component. I think that community dynamic is is important, um, with kind of the idea of continuing to uh, challenge pe- challenge men that that I'm working with to kind of hit that next level. It's, it's solve kind of the foundational piece, but then let's take it to the next level and into a level of exploration play. So like Jeff, who did the 350 mile ride um, or you know a, a jiu jitsu tournament or a big hike that you thought was out of your, your, your uh, capacity and comfort zone and helping guys kind of step into that because I think there's another area of growth that happens there when it's something that is um, physically demanding. So that's kind of like the 2.0, I think.
0: I love it. Well, for those who want to learn more about you and follow your Live Great Lifestyle podcast, I'll put that uh, the link in the show notes. And what's the best way to learn more about you? Is it LiveGreatLifestyle.com?
1: Yep, that's the easiest way. That's the website. Um, I'm pretty accessible if people have questions. Um, They're looking for support in this. I I tell them all the time. I'm by no means a high-pressure salesman. Uh, so, I'm happy to hop on a call with anybody and if, if it's a fit and need some help or if it's, I can just offer you some tangible direction and you run and, and you go implement, great. Um, so, I'm always here to support people. So, livegreatlifestyle.com uh, as well as on most social media channels and that is the podcast as well.
0: Well, I encourage everyone to listen to the podcast, especially the one you did with Dr. Juan. And I wanna thank you, Lou, for all you've done to support my work here. I really wouldn't have anyone to interview without people like you making connections for me so thank you so much for that and i wish you the best making an impact on the lives for uh, of people around the world who are looking to improve their health and their fitness um, from someone that's looking at more innovative approaches of what's out in the world so thanks for everything you're doing and thanks for being on the show
1: yeah i appreciate the invitation thanks for having me on i look forward to listening to uh, your chat with the uh, the very smart dr juan
0: I know. Absolutely. Well, you have a wonderful day and thanks so much, Luke.
1: All right. Take care.